to be with everyone. It's good to see smiles, knowing that not, not everyone is smiling on the inside today. Some of us are walking through struggle and, and challenge, but we walk into the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord with the people of God, and there's something that brings joy in the midst of challenge. And uh, um, that's, I mean, that's some of what we'll talk about this morning in Psalm 122. We're in this series, the Psalms of Ascents. We're journeying towards God together. And we get to this uh, third psalm in the series, Psalm 122, where um, it's the first psalm of Ascents that's actually attributed to David. So what, what we know because of that is that the temple is not actually yet built. So though they're talking about going to Jerusalem for worship, it's not the temple they're going to, it's the tabernacle probably. It's, it's the temporary dwelling place. And yet, in, uh, in the life of the uh, Israelites, this was the time and the place that God called them to go to, to be in his presence. So Jerusalem was like the place of God's presence, the place where they would be connected with the Lord. Now, with the coming of Jesus, obviously this Jerusalem, this temple, this tabernacle, it, it changes things for us. And so in so many ways, these Old Testament references to temple and tabernacle and presence in Jerusalem, though perfectly literal in their meaning, also for us take on new meaning because we're the new temples of God. We're, we're being formed into the new Jerusalem. You know, John 1, it says, Jesus came and he tabernacled among us. It's now in us. We're being built into the temple of the living God. So we, we read this and we can read it as the, they might have uh, sung it going up to Jerusalem to worship a physical place with, with real people. But it's, it's almost more, in my opinion, more powerful for us because there is not a singular place on earth that we have to travel to be in God's presence. God is everywhere, and he walks around in us. Don't get me wrong, we are not God. <laughs> I'm quite certain about that, at least for you. No, I am quite certain about that. But God dwells <clears throat> among us and within us. And isn't that the, the, the like brain-shattering reality of the New Testament? That God says, I will come and I will live in you. I will dwell within you. I will do my good work and show my glory and begin to show what it looks like for the, the kingdom of God to reign on the earth through you. So um, all that is kind of getting us ready to hear Psalm 122. This then this morning is the word of the Lord for us. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open. You can also look on the screens. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
We pray for the peace of the actual physical Jerusalem, that uh, place where so much of history has been, is, and will be. We ask, God, that you would bring um, your peace, your shalom, your perfection, your wholeness to those people, those varied peoples, that you would bring reconciliation between those who are enemies, that you would bring the reign of Jesus in all his beauty in that place. God, we ask also for the peace of this Jerusalem here, this house, this church. We ask, God, for your your blessing of unity in our tiny body here in Indianapolis, for unity and peace in the larger body of Christ. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would bring your shalom, your peace to this nation with all of the political division, with all of the strife, with all of the anger and apathy, with all of the opinions, information and misinformation, God, we ask you to sort it out. We ask you, Jesus, to make things right here. We ask for peace, for concord. God, we ask that you would um, raise up Uh, people, leaders, politicians who would honor you and glorify you and and um, speakers and um, makers and builders of peace. Lord, we submit to you and your kingdom, no other kingdom, and we choose this day not to put our trust in any other organization, any other government, any other gathering, but Lord, in you and you alone. So lift our eyes this morning to see you, King of kings, Prince of peace, Lord of lords. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I feel about done after that. (laughs) But I'm not. What I want to do for the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes is, is walk through this psalm together. So some of the verses will be up on the screen, but if you have a Bible or a mechanism that has a Bible on it. Open your Bible. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It won't mess you up if you read out of another one. Um, I just want to walk through this psalm together and just ask the questions that the psalm prompts in the form of um, some challenges and some invitations. It was so striking to me that John came up during worship and gave me that word about invitations because invitation um, is a theme throughout this message, as you'll hear. John had no idea. And I love that because God had a perfect idea. And I just say honestly, <clears throat> you know how often, if, if you've ever spoken publicly in any way, you know how you can be speaking in front of people and at the same time having an inner conversation with yourself or with the Lord. I feel like in some ways I'm speaking to you and God's giving me some things to say. But that word about invitation was absolutely for me. I just, I just let you sit in that one if you need to yourself as I'm speaking. That the understanding that Jesus has invited me to be a part of his kingdom, to be, in the, to be at the party, right? To be a, um, an honored guest in, in the family of God. I, I love that. I know that. I preach that. But something struck me about that, that next invitation of Jesus that now that you're here, I want to meet you. You know what it's like to go to a party and feel like, wow, this is pretty, you know, this important person asked me to come. If you're like me, either humble or falsely humble, you're kind of like, well, I'm here, but I'm not going to deign to go up to that person and say anything. I'll just, you know, 
be in the sidelines and then tell everyone I was invited to that party, you know. But the king who's hosting the party, the, the one who we celebrate, wants to meet us. Like he wants to be right at the door and say, Dan, I'm so glad you're here. Walk around with me. Let's do some stuff together. And that, that's amazing. And so just in this season of my life, I feel like that's a direct invitation to me, not just to, to do the thing and be in the party, but to interact with the host, to host the host, you know, to, to, to claim the belovedness of our interactions with King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's something special. So if I mumble to myself or say something strange, it's another conversation happening, all right? But I'll try to keep it clean. So I just ask you, posture your heart to receive this morning, to accept the invitations and the challenges that this psalm brings us. Brings us. And I'm, I've, got, I've got six. <laughs> Double my normal, I got six. Will you receive and accept? That means own the challenge and the invitation this morning. The joy and the challenge of God's people to freely give your love to God in corporate worship. To freely give your love to God in corporate worship, to live with one another and, and out there with other churches in unity as a representative of the government of Jesus, that is the rule and the reign of Jesus, to live out in the world as Jesus' representative. No colors, just Jesus. As an intercessor for the peace of God in the body and a contributor to the peace of God in the world, all out of love for God and one another. I'm going to say that a bunch of times. That's all my points. Everything else I'm going to say is going to fill in that. And when I end, I'm going to say it all over again. Because I feel like that's what this psalm invites us into and challenges us into. And so let's take a few minutes and walk through it and see what some of the pieces are indicating. So number one, will you freely give yourself to love God and others in the midst of corporate worship? The psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So remember what I said about Jerusalem. I, I think I have it on good authority. That yes, Jerusalem is a physical place. But in this context, in the New Testament era, we can look at, yes, Jerusalem, but also this body, the church at large, the gathered people of God wherever they are. I think we could even say this Jerusalem, to some extent, is our own soul. Because here God dwells. Here God meets us on a day-to-day -day basis. Here God invites us into intimate worship and gives his decrees and his commands and his love, right? And obviously Jerusalem is also the coming Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, heaven itself. So you kind of got to have four little categories to walk through all this as you think about here we are, so happy that they said, let's go to Jerusalem and our feet are standing in the midst of it. We're a gathered people of God when we're here. We're companions on the journey to wholeness, to, to worship before the Lord. Um, in our small group last Thursday, um, I cheated, and we looked at this psalm in preparation for this message <laughs> because I can do that if I want, right? So I was asking questions of the group, and someone in our group, when we got to this part about, um, you know, the joy of being together in worship, she said, um, a couple of years ago, she was walking through the decline and the eventual death of her husband early, 
from Alzheimer's. And she said, it, it was the church, it was the people of God who kept me in the love of God during that time. It's just beautiful the way she said it. She said, it was the people of God. It was the community that kept me in God's love during that time. She said, they were the, commun the communal witness. They were the witness to God's grace in my life. And she just said, if I didn't have them, she was at another church at the time, another place. She said, if I didn't have them, I don't know that I would make it. And I just thought, what power. You know, we think of coming to worship and the joy and let's dance and give the kids a flag. And I love all that. But, but there's an awful lot of power when we just simply come and lay ourselves before God when we don't feel like it, when it's challenging, because we are the gathered people of God. We're the community. We're, we're an odd community, right? Just own that. We're different. But we are God's community. We're God's people on this earth, in this place. And every single one of us is important. We're not called to do this alone. We can't do this alone, this life with Jesus. We must not do this alone. We're, we're called to be together. We're in this together. So I just wonder if this morning God would be inviting you, maybe, into a, a further step into, into the community of communal worship. Uh, maybe if you're watching online, this is your invitation. Come back and be with us if you can, and that's healthy and safe. Come back. Be a part of us. Maybe if you're a worshiper way in the back like this, God's asking you to step up and worship in a, in, let, let your soul hang out a little bit in worship. Maybe God's given you a word or something on a Sunday morning and it's time for you to, to, to step up and sort of take your scary place in the community of worship. Will you receive the, the joy and the challenge of being in the community of gathered people in God's presence. Second, will you live with one another and other churches in unity? I almost feel like I'm doing a wedding, you know? Like, will you take this person? But I, I do feel like that's what God's asking us. Will you this morning choose to live in unity with one another and other churches? If there's any place of division in your life right now, would you let go of division and go after unity? Not uniformity. We don't have to all be the same, but unity. Because we're looking to one. We're looking to God. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So it's this picture of Jerusalem. If you were walking up to Jerusalem, just about to get there, you would see this city built firmly together. <clears throat> One old translator in um, like 17th century of this verse, he translates the Hebrew here, Jerusalem, a city at unity with itself. Isn't that a good picture? Jerusalem, a city that's all fit together, designed by God, no gaps, no breaking walls, a city put together by God himself. David can say this because he helped to do it, right? He was a part of this. We're being built into that city, 1 Peter 2. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. So maybe you didn't realize when you came to church, I'm going to call you a rock. That's a good thing, not, a, not dumb as a rock, but you are a living stone being, being um, built by God into this place of unity. And not only that, but you're a priest. 
in your commission this morning, if you didn't know it before, you are a priest of God. What does a priest do? A priest goes to God on behalf of men and women, and a priest goes to men and women on behalf of God. That's our calling. It's a part of what we do as a church, right? Not just me, not just staff. You all get to do that. We are all the priests of the Lord. We get to worship. We get to do it in unity. All the tribes go up, David says. You know, in the context here, if all of the 12 tribes of Israel aren't there, Israel isn't present. Think about that. Israel is 12 tribes at this point. If all the tribes aren't there, Israel isn't present. When they're all present, they're one, one harmonious whole. And it applies to the way that we walk into the church and we walk out our churchhood, (laughs) our churchness out in the world, right? We're one. And if, if, if everyone can't be a part of this, then no one can really be a part of this. We are different, and there's all sorts of diversity. And I love that. That is beautiful. But we are called to be one. That's why Sean introduced herself last week as a racial reconciliator. Because one time I said, you know, who wants to be a racial reconciliator? And Sean came up and we anointed her. And many of you, because we're called to build unity within the church. God's building us together, and we get to cooperate with that. By saying, yes, you look different, you sound different, you might even believe some things different, you worship different, but down at the core, Jesus is in you like he's in me, and we are one. That's how God looks at us. I don't think, I mean, God, can, God sees everything, right? But I don't imagine that God looks down on Indianapolis and says, well, let's get all the churches organized, you know. Oh, I missed that one, you know. I think God looks down and he sees the the lovers of his son, and he just sees a church. So, you know, when you're driving by another church that isn't Indie Vineyard Church, pray for them, bless them. If there's a ministry going on there that you are called to be a part of, go for it, be a part of it. Stop at the church, go in, encourage the pastors. Say, hey, I don't go to your church, but I'm praying for you anyway. That'll mess them all up. I gave you freedom to go mess people up out there. It's a picture of the whole family present. So, unity, all the different and diverse coming to one God, worshiping in unity as a single whole. And then this verse says, as was decreed. As was decreed. In other words, whether you like it or not, our calling from God is to come together in unity. And when we're in unity, the Bible says here in this verse, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. God calls us to come and to give thanks. You know, I think some of my opinion here, some of the most beautiful worship that rises from this place is not the worship of joy, happiness, thankfulness of provision, but the worship that comes to God from a broken heart, from a humble heart, from a desperate heart. God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I worship you anyway. You know, though the fig tree fail and all that stuff, still I'm going to give you worship. Because it was decreed. This is our calling. Worship is our calling. When we come together on a Sunday morning or in any worship gathering, we don't come to have an individual experience in public. We come to have a corporate experience. Now, God will touch individuals. God touches me down here a lot. 
God touches me here in, during the week when I'm worshiping and praying. But we come as a whole and God looks at us and sure he'll touch and light on different ones and do different things. But we don't, we don't come in here and do what we could do at home by ourselves just in public. No, there's some mystical, there's some mystery about us being together in worship. And God says, I love that. In fact, there's a place in the Old Testament where it says God lives in the praise of his people. Lives in the praise of the corporate gathering. He's here among us, and he's doing his work. Will you step into the unity of the church, allowing your many thoughts and beliefs and values to be second to the one who calls you, the one who set you within this body? Will you choose freely to give your love to God in our midst? Third, as a representative of the government of Jesus, the rule and the reign of Jesus, will you be a representative of Jesus' rule and reign? I'm not going to talk about government. I'm not going to talk about politics. But here in the middle of this verse, we, we see in this psalm, there thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. And you've got to wonder, what is David saying? Like, we're going to this great place. We're going to have a worship uh, service. And there are thrones of judgment? Like, that sounds like a game I don't even want to be a part of, you know? Thrones for judgment set. Judgment means the decisive word by which God straightens things out and puts things right. So what David is saying is, we want to be in the place of God's presence. We want to be in Jerusalem. We want to be in the church. We want to be in the heavenly city because that's where God makes things right. That's where the rule and the reign of Jesus is seen. Not in perfection, we're not going to do it right, but we are representatives of the government of heaven. Can you, can you feel that one? Can you imagine what that means? That you don't walk out as a Democrat or a Republican or whatever you want to call yourself. You walk out into the world as a representative of the government of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. You represent his rule and his reign. It's the justice of Jesus. It's a sign of God's kingdom to live and to love and to lead the way that Jesus would out in the world. So in your businesses and in your families and in your schools and in your neighborhoods, will you take that on, not as a thing of pride, uh, better listen to me, I speak for God, that probably won't work that well, but as a, as a, ba as a, a badge of humility, I represent the King of Kings. And you'll know that because you'll see it come out in my life. Most important values in this particular political platform, I might say, would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Ephesians 5, if you want to find those again. I think that's what the government of Jesus looks like. And we get to do that. So will we, will we walk out the outworking of the, the thrones of judgment and help cooperate with God in setting things right? And for some of you, that means a call to social justice. To some of that, that means a call to a specific area of business or industry or education. To some of you, that means uh, real work on the streets and reconciliation between races and, 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 and uh, making peace where there's enmity. Whatever that call is, will you say yes? 
I'm going to take the last three points together and we'll bring this barnstorming message to a close. Will you live your life as an intercessor for the peace of God in the body? An intercessor for the peace of God in the body. And as a contributor to the peace of God in the world. That means we pray for the peace of God in the church and we walk out the peace of God in the world. Number one, it means loving enemies. It means, it means loving enemies. If an enemy comes to your mind right now, that's God's invitation for you to show some love. And number three, will we do that out of love for God and for neighbor? Verses six through nine. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. This is the prayer of the pilgrim. The pilgrim on their way to, you know, to God to worship, this is the prayer of the pilgrim. Literally says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Do you know what the word Jerusalem means? City of peace. Isn't that kind of funny? That it says, pray for the peace of the city of peace. Because the city of peace is not always peaceful. And, and I can just say, so pray for the church, where I might say, is the called people of God living in his love? And pray that the church will actually be the called people of God living in his love. And we're praying into God's design and direction here. We can't make it happen. And so we're asking God who only can make it happen. This psalm gives us a literal directive. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Real practical um, I know I always say nice things about my wife, Jane, so I'll do it again. Um, if Jane ever sees 9-11 uh, on the clock, which happens at least two times a day, she prays for Jerusalem. I don't know who gave her that. I don't know why that is. But at 9-11, if it's 9-11 and I'm yapping, her head goes down, her eyes close, and she doesn't hear a word I say. Because she's praying for, literally for the peace of Jerusalem. So take that. But literally, we're called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a biblical statement. Peace in Jerusalem means a lot to us and to the world. These, this, this whole thing comes down there, right? The heaven that we talk about is the new Jerusalem. It's a real place. It's coming down from heaven. And we're going to live there. And we're praying for the peace of that place. <clears throat> Peace in your walls, shalom, wholeness. Here's what Eugene Peterson, how he describes peace. Shalom, peace, is one of the richest words in the Bible. You can no more define it by looking up its meaning in the dictionary than you can define a person by their social security number. It gathers all aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. It is the work of God that when complete, releases streams of living water in us and pulsates with eternal life. Every time Jesus healed, forgave, or called someone, we have a demonstration of shalom, of peace. So we're praying for that peace, that healing, that forgiveness, 
that unity, that kingdom of Jesus when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, when we pray for the peace of this church, the churches in this city of our own soul. What we pray is that these places will look like heaven. That same person in our group who shared about the church being her, you know, the ones that kept her in the love of God. Somebody else in the group said, how do we do this practically, this pray for the peace of Jerusalem? What does that look like? And she said, I just think Jesus had a good shot at that, you know. May your kingdom come and your will be done right here as it is in heaven. So when we look around our church, our city, our world, our lives, and see things where they're not like the way we know they will be in heaven, we pray for that. Someone's broken, we pray for them to be whole. Someone's sick, we pray for them to become well. Someone's missing, we call them back. Someone's unloved, we love them. So will you take on the role of intercessor for peace in the body of Christ? Will you take your place as a contributor to that peace of God in the world? Beginning in your own heart, beginning in your primary relationships, your co-workers, your acquaintances. And then finally, can you do that all motivated, not by guilt, not by shame, not by duty, but by the love of God and others? Because that's what it says in the, in the scripture. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, the place of God's dwelling, I will seek your good. And that's our invitation and that's our challenge. I wrote down a quote this, um, you know, for this message. I thought for sure it was C.S. Lewis, and it always sounds good to quote C.S. Lewis. It makes you seem smart. And I've quoted this before as C.S. Lewis, and then I looked it up, and I can't find it. So I don't know who said this, what I'm about to say, but don't blame it on C.S. Lewis. I heard somebody somewhere say, if you love God but not your neighbor, you're no good to your to God. If you love your neighbor, but not God, you're no good to your neighbor. And I don't know, I mean, don't take that too far, you know, don't, don't feel ashamed, but there's something about loving God and loving neighbor that are called to be together. You know, James says, how can we love God if we don't love our neighbor? And how can we say that we love God if we don't love our neighbor? And how can we truly give something to our neighbor if we don't have an intimate relationship with God. We're priests, and we connect the world with God, and that the, the glue is love. That's how we get to do it. That's our invitation. Let's stand. If I could ask uh, some of the ministry team to come forward. I want to just read these questions again and then pray for us, and you are welcome to respond to God. In any way, if you want to come, uh, so ministry team, I need you to know, thanks. You want to come up and just be before God. You want someone to pray for you. You want to pray with someone next to you or someone that you came with all is fine. So if you just close your eyes and hear the Lord um, challenging you this day. Today will you receive and will you own, accept and own the joy and the challenge God gives to his people to freely give your love to God in corporate worship, to live one another with one another in unity and with other churches in unity, 
as representatives of the government of Jesus, will you express the rule and the reign of Jesus with those qualities of the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Will you take on the role of an intercessor for the peace of God in the church, in, the, in his body, and contribute to the peace of God in the world by walking out your own calling? And could you accept the invitation to do all of that, not out of shame and not out of guilt and not out of duty, but out of love? We love because he first loved us. Love for God and love for your neighbor. So Lord, we, we ask this day for the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in those invitations and challenges. And Holy Spirit, will you come now and just highlight one anything that you might be speaking to us about. Lord, would you just bring people to mind? Show us pictures right now of those you want us to bless. Some of us this morning right now are feeling that enmity with someone, and this is an invitation to reconciliation. Some of you have specific gifts and callings that kind of like John said before, you've You've owned them. You said yes, but Jesus now wants to interact with you on those. He wants to touch you and anoint you to actually go and do. Let's take a minute. Let's be here in the presence of God. Let the Holy Spirit speak. If you want someone to pray for you, just come on up. God, would you send us now in peace to love you and to serve you out there in the world with gladness and with singleness of heart. Would you communicate your kingdom through us? In the name of Jesus, amen. You'd like someone to pray, come on forward. You want to talk to someone, chat to your neighbor, you're welcome. Go in peace. If um, you would like someone to pray for you with personal prayer art, a couple of our artists over there will be listening to the Lord. You can go over to your left and my right and receive some ministry in that way. God bless you.